So many people have said to me, why are you wearing a daffodil in your lapel this morning, that I really do need to respond and explain. Today is the 1st of March. That is St. David's Day, and St. David is the patron saint of Wales. And uh, the daffodil is David's flower. In fact, daffodil is Welsh for David's flower. Now, I'm wearing it partly because this is the day each year when I pray for the church in Wales, but also because next Saturday, England are playing Wales on the rugby field. (laughs) And I have every hope that England's going to (laughs) win. The scriptures in their entirety are a procession of the truth told in a series of interlinking, interconnected stories, right from the beginning to the very end. Those stories are told in different forms. Some of them are direct reporting of the facts, saying what is factually true. Others are a direct reporting of the facts, but they are made more accessible by the use of poetry and of allegory. And that's what we've got at the beginning of the book of Genesis. The story of salvation begins, and we're told it in the sort of way that we can grasp it and fully understand it. From the first disobedience of our human parents, Adam and Eve, in that paradisical garden and the interference of a talking snake. This perfect couple was set down in a perfect place. And only one boundary was put before them. And they were told not to stray from that. Everything is yours, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is in the center of the garden, you shall not eat. And there is the whole law of God for that time just in one instruction. And hardly had those words, as it were, gotten out of God's mouth than the serpent began to prey on the freedom of will that God had given to the man and the woman there in the garden. He went to Adam and Eve and subtly coaxed them, sowing seeds of doubt. Did God say to you, you shall not eat? And the woman replied, she told the serpent exactly what God had said to them. And then the serpent began to get into the conversation a little bit more closely and to undermine it. It's true that it is the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but you shan't die. You shan't die, but you'll become wise. You'll be like God himself. So Eve went over to the tree and took another look. And her emotions were already engaged by what she saw. 
It was a lovely tree, and the fruit on the tree, were, it looked delicious. And she saw the fruit was good for food. And she wanted to be wise. And so she ate some for herself, and then at supper that evening, dished it up for Adam for dinner. My wife makes a dish called Adam and Eve pudding. It's an apple pudding. But uh, this is, in a way, what was happening there at the uh, tree in the center of the garden. And both the man, Adam, and the woman, Eve, exercised their will, and that was the beginning of the first obedience, and it was against the whole law of God whole disobedience against the law of God. And death was brought into the world in all its richness. Edom was lost. The environment was corrupted. And human nature was forever defaced because of the choice that our foremother and our forefather made. But, you know, we can't read the story in Genesis without immediate reference to the story in the Gospels of Jesus. The first Adam sinned, and that had a consequence for the lives of every single one of us. But Jesus, the second Adam, came to the rescue. About the time that the Civil War was ending on this side of the Atlantic, John Henry Newman was sitting in England and writing his most famous of hymns, Praise to the holiness, Holiest in the Height, and in the Depths be Praised, in all His words most wonderful, most sure in all His ways. And then the second verse is, O loving wisdom of our God, when all was sin and shame, a second Adam to the fight and to the rescue came. Adam was the first Adam, obviously. Jesus is referred to throughout the New Testament as the second Adam, restoring us, making it possible to turn upside down the failure and the shortcoming of our first parents. In fact, more than that, the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve have even more blessings than their forefathers and foremothers lost. In the Son of God, we can see certain parallels to this story in Genesis. Eve looked at the tree, saw the fruit, and saw that it was good, and took and ate. And the beauty of God's creation was at that point marred. Now, the next time we hear these words spelled out in Scripture is when they come from the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Take eat. This is my body which is given for you. This is my blood which was shed for you. 
take, eat. Adam and Eve took and eat, and so much was lost. As John Milton put it, paradise was lost. In Christ, we are invited to take and eat. The blood, the bread broken, the wine poured out, being emblems of Christ's passion. What was to happen the next day was the cross. and The bread and the wine point directly to the cross. And Jesus tells us, take, eat. The sacraments feed us because, among other things, they are a constant reminder to us that our faith in Christ is about His eternal uh, defeating of the talking serpent and his sin. The Word tells us. The sacrament reminds us and feeds us. When we eat and drink the bread broken and the wine poured out, we are reminded of the serpent who wraps himself around so many elements of our lives, but that he has been conquered. And he was conquered by Christ in his bloodshed, in his resurrection, and that crown of thorns which was on his head. And by taking and eating, what we are doing is reaffirming our own personal faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's sort of an altar call, as it were, every Sunday to reaffirm what Christ has done for us in turning around what was done there in the garden at the beginning. He is reversing the failure in Eden. There's another verse which John Henry Newman wrote in that wonderful hymn. O wisest love that flesh and blood which did in Adam fail should strive afresh against the foe, should strive and should prevail. When I was a teenager and had actually just outside the city of St. David's in Wales, made my own personal commitment to, to Jesus Christ. We used to sing a little chorus, and some of you may have sung it as well, and it was on the victory side. I'm on the victory side because of what Christ has done for me. And that's what our Eucharistic celebration each week is about. And it reminds us how dark our sin is, how much our Christ endured, and how we are His and He is ours for all eternity. Amen.